When I was traveling to the United States back in November 2016, I was stopped at Heathrow Airport. I couldn't do an online check-in. I hold a refugee travel document. It's not a passport. It looks like a passport, but it isn't. It's like a second-class document that allows you to travel, but almost guarantees you would be stopped at pretty much every airport. At Heathrow, I went straight to the airline desk. The woman behind the computer printed my boarding pass and asked me to wait for a couple of minutes to talk to a security guy. After a few minutes, a big guy in a suit walked towards me and started asking me about my destination. I said California. And then he asked me how I would get there. I was at the airport. I had my boarding pass in my hand. I wanted to say swimming, but I didn't want to be banned from the airlines. So I politely said that I would be taking this flight. The guy asked me about my phone number, my Skype ID, and my Twitter handle, though he didn't follow me. And after around 20 minutes, he lets me go. And I thought that the security check was now done. I was wrong. At the gate, before boarding, I was randomly selected for a routine check. And the security guy checked my cabin bag and my pockets. But luckily, they didn't do a cavity search this time. When I arrived in the United States, I went to the passport control. And then the guy behind the computer asked me to wait. Another officer comes in and takes me to a room. On the way, he asked me where I was from. I said Aleppo. He got excited and he said, wow, Anderson Cooper from CNN sometimes reports about Aleppo. Do you know him? I said, I've seen him on TV before. And then they asked me to wait in a room with many other people. And I was not allowed to use my phone. But luckily, there was a toilet that I could use. When I was asked about my brother's address, I said I have it in my phone. My brothers and I are big fans of American football. We love the LA Rams and we hate the New England Patriots. So my brother had sent me his address to this WhatsApp group that we call Patriots Haters. I opened my phone. The officer was looking. He was checking my phone with me. He saw the name of the group, Patriots Haters, and started grilling me about the name. He asked me if we hate Patriots. I had to explain that we do not hate Patriots. We hate the, the Patriots team, the New England Patriots. And then he started asking me about uh, the LA Rams, naming their quarterback, their running back, their coach, asking me about the best matchup, uh, my favorite moment of the team. I felt like I was doing an interview for uh, being a sports pundit rather than an interview at an immigration uh, center. At the end... After almost three hours, I was allowed into the United States for the first time. My brother was actually waiting for me. He didn't go. He didn't abandon me. Today I'm going to talk about what's it like to travel on a refugee travel document. Maybe I had the worst experience, but I was not the only one. My friend Bara talks about a time when he was stopped while going on holiday. My name is Abdul. I'll be your host on this Integrate That podcast, a podcast about refugees by refugees.
traveled to the United States after the travel ban was issued, and it included nationals from seven countries, and Syria was one of them. However, my brother are American citizens, so I was entitled to visit them. This time, I was traveling with my elder brother, who has a German passport. At Heathrow, at the gate, a security guard asked me to come with him. My brother asked if he should come too. The security guard checks his passport, it's German, so he tells my brother there's no need for that, and that he could proceed to boarding. There was a small room at the gate. I was asked to take off my jacket, and my cabin bag was searched. Again, I was randomly selected. It's a random selection among all the refugees traveling on this flight, I, I thought. My brother and I laughed about this on the plane, and he told me he would have boarded had I not come back. I was traveling with my brother. He holds a German passport. Mine was a refugee travel document. I got stopped. He did not. What does that mean? Bara from episode one had a similar experience while traveling on holiday. I was flying to Ibiza with with a friend, and uh, I made it all the way through the boarding pass and everything. And I made it literally where you sat in a room after the boarding just to open the door and go to the airplane. And as I entered that room, there were two people, well-suited men, and they came and they started, oh, is that Bara? And then I said, yes. And they said, oh, uh, we've been looking for you. Uh, it's Detective Patrick. Uh, I can't remember who his colleague was. And my friend looked and said, oh, we're important. I said, well, wait a minute. It's not going to go the way you think. <laughs> Did your friend think that you're, you're, you're having an uh, upgrade? Free upgrade. <laughs> Business upgrade. Oh, it's a really VIP. Yeah, white people. And then uh, this guy turned uh, and uh, said, is that okay if we talk to you? Because we tried to find you earlier and we couldn't. And then my friend responds, so you are a detective and inspector and you couldn't you couldn't find us. That's not really good job you've done there. They are like, come calm down, let them speak. And we went into a room and we started talking and they started asking all these questions about where are you going? How long have you been in this country? And when are you planning to come back? And uh, every question that you could think of. And they asked me about my family in Syria, about my history, about my present, uh, just about to ask about my future as well. And after that, they took my fingerprints, eight pictures of eight angles of me, and my mobile phone, my laptop, my passwords, and my passport and uh, everything. And one of the questions was, after they took all of those, he said, so Para, do you get grievance when you pray? And I, I was so surprised. I was thinking, well, first of all, you assume that I pray. Second of all, you're asking very weird personal question that I don't think you have the right to. But then I turned to say, well, I'm sorry, I don't pray because it's none of his business anyway. And then... Uh, I missed my flight. Can you ask him if he uh, thinks of his wife when he cheats on her? <laughs> Just I, to assume that he cheats as well. <laughs> I could have. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's a very good point. I missed my flight. I was so furious, so upset. I got a little bit emotional. I was saying, this is discrimination. You shouldn't be doing this. And then he said, calm down. He, one of them bought me water. It was, they were very kind and polite. I understand it's not their fault. They're doing their job. But at the same time, that is systematic 
discrimination, then it's not only theirs. Anyway, they said they're not going to compensate me for anything. No compensation for the flight. What they've done was they spoke with their airline provider and convinced them to book me only one-way flight so I can make use of my return and I don't have to pay for a new return. So I bought the next flight 6 a.m. the same day and I slept in the airport and then uh, they kept my laptop uh, until I come back with all the passwords because there's so many data uh, that they need to go through and uh, they gave me back my phone and uh, then I flew to Apitha and I came back in a w after a week. <laughs> I changed all my passwords, though, because they've got my passwords. Okay. Um, Did they send you an email that they know your new <laughs> <laughs> Probably. They shouldn't send that email, but they probably do know their new password. The first time I was stopped, I got nervous. I was given a leaflet. It reads that the officer has the right to deport me. After going through this process pretty much every time I traveled, I got used to it. And it was like a nice welcome back. A home reception at the airport. I get to talk to those officers and tell them about my holiday, my travel, where I've been, and they offered a, a bottle of water usually. I looked at it as a fun exercise. Barat was conflicted about how he felt about it. Well, the whole process was very humiliating because you feel like you're you feel like you're not a human being. You feel like you are being investigated, inter interrogated, and you feel like you're a suspect, uh, even though you haven't done anything. I mean, you can try to justify it and understand where they're coming from, because if they haven't done that, how else can they try to spot potential threats and risks? But then again, they should have a better technique to tell if somebody looks like a somebody who might be a danger or not. But then again, you can argue... People who will who will do risky stuff are not gonna look like they're gonna do it. It never ending. It's never ending argument. But anyway, it was humiliating. It was when I when he said about grievance, I felt surprised actually and said, "What what the hell is that? Why are you asking this?" I wasn't humiliating this one. It was just weird. Uh, so I felt surprised about that. The drive from LA airport to my brother's place takes almost an hour, and we usually spend it laughing at the questions I was asked. My brothers and I eagerly wait for me to come and just laugh about all those ridiculous questions and my smart answers. We thought it was just kind of a fun exercise to get home. However, Barat did not necessarily share this with me. He thought of his experience differently. There was a mixture of fun and empathy and sympathy and it felt, it felt so shit because you become suddenly the center of attention and center of conversation when you first arrive by the time that you should just be normally a human being who uh, visits. But the, the friends who were there were all native British people and it would be difficult for them to kind of uh, understand the experience. So it was just kind of fascinating for everyone, which was alright, not too bad. <laughs> When I fly to Europe, I usually get stopped twice. Once at the desk before I go through security and after passing through security. 
When I'm pulled aside at the gate, the airline staffer would call their manager, and I would wait. People in the queue behind me pass me by one by one. They look at me, I look at them. We pretty much look the same. Traveling with the cabin bag, going to the same destination, but they have a passport. I hold a travel document. If there's another refugee on the same flight, they would ask to wait with me. We'd look at each other, nod and smile. We're in this together. Eventually, the manager would come and let us through. This is not an endorsement, but whenever I travel with EasyJet, the manager would come, apologize, and let us through. This podcast is presented by me, Abdul Hattahan, and edited by Leo Sheik. The music is by the Audio Network, and the Oud music is by the Syrian Oud player, Rehab Azar. Sound effects are obtained from zapsplat.com, and my guest today was Barak.